Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I am Greg, as always, and together with me again this week is my good friend John. John, how are you today? Um, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should have been a, a day. That might have been should have <laughs> might have been a rhetorical question for you since he told me how your day was before the podcast. Uh, well, do you want to talk about it? I know you told me the no. story. You just had a rough day. You probably yeah. don't want to talk about it because it could be it could indict you on criminal charges, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I I stormed the local Arby's uh, and and kicked in their door and stole a laptop. What, um, what so, if, but yeah. What if we just say this? What if we say <laughs> you just you had a hard, you had a rough day at work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we'll leave it I there. Left, I left my wallet at home. Didn't have any food all day. Very hungry. I, I spent the last like twenty minutes just shoving everything into my mouth. Nice, possibly could. <laughs> just, just ramen time. Just ramen, frozen ramen. Just didn't even cook it. You just started biting off hunks of it. Ramen, reheated steak, and a Jimmy John sub. Dude, that that actually sounds like that'd be my last meal. I think. Sign, <laughs> sign me up for that on death row. I'll take it. Um, no, uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but it's our favorite time of the week where we get to talk about video games. And so hopefully that'll take your mind off things for a bit. And hopefully everyone out here is having a good week as well. Um, the, I don't really have a, uh, a horror story of the week. I don't have a rant of the week because it's just been kind of normal. Uh, we were really busy over the weekend. It was, I, I was on five days off two than on four. So I know, and, and it's funny as I, I said that to somebody the other day and they were like, okay, so like you, worked like a normal week and i was like oh okay that's because if you, if i worked a normal set of hours in a day then yes that'd be a normal week but since i work 12 hour days when you work you know that many in a row like five in a row on 12 hour shifts it, it, it it's a long week that's all i'm saying i'm not saying it's bad yeah. i'm saying it was a long week you know just as well as anyone um and so but it was super busy i mean we we're getting crazy trades in and everybody's coming in with a box or a tote it's just awesome but i'll tell you about this this one guy brought in a tote and a box and I've never had to recycle slash throw away so much stuff in my whole life from a trade. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, now it wasn't. Did you, did you pay for it and then throw it away, or were, no? Did you just say I will dispose of these yeah, atrocities for I, you? <laughs> I, I I did not pay for. It. I mean, I paid for the things that I knew were sellable. But basically, he had like a box of games. He had a PS3 with no cords, hookups, or controllers or anything. And then he had, a okay, and then there was this tub. And this tub was actually full of, like, old camera equipment. So there was, like, a, a flash add-on for an old camera. And then there was, like, a bunch of, like, almost, like, uh, tripod-type add-ons for cameras and photography. Then there were actually some pictures in the bottom that weren't, like, bad, but were, I mean, I don't want to say they were creepy, but, like, they weren't not creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um mostly decapitated dolls. yeah fine. you know just you know their heads popped off um and and then just just a bunch of like but just stuff it was stuff that wasn't anything you know and just a bunch of like ac adapters for miscellaneous pieces of equipment and all that <clears throat> and uh so we we ended up like you know i tell them what we can pay we ended up paying like 40 bucks for the stuff we could take which was a bunch of 360 games that were all scratched up there was a, an empty case for Tomba on PS1, which is like a hundred dollar yeah. game, but it's just empty case. So I mean, yeah. the case the case has value. So we you know we we offered something on it, um, and then in in that big tote of worthless stuff is a loose copy of Dino Stalker for PS2, the light gun game. 
okay. just hanging out there. And of course, I look buy at it? it. Well, I mean, it, it was in bad shape, but it wasn't topside damage. So I mean, I I paid okay. accordingly. I mean, the game completes worth like twenty five bucks. So a loose disc I, is. I mean, but do you even sell loose discs, really? Oh sure, sure. I mean, we we what we do is okay. we put the disc in a sleeve and we put it in the front art of the case. So we actually have the disc kind of out live on the shelf then. And okay. uh, we normally, like, I don't like to make a big habit of that, but we certainly do it with uncommon games because otherwise we'd end up getting rid of, you know, like, opportunity. There's a lot of opportunities. And you'd be surprised how many people just don't care about the cases. And, like, as a collector myself, I can't even fathom that, why you'd buy a game without a case. It's crazy yeah. to me. But well, but there's lots of people me, out there, man. The average person, like, I would say just doesn't doesn't care as much as we do, you know? Cartridges, I'm fine with not having the case. Because oh, yeah. the general, unless it's Genesis, like Genesis games without cases annoy me because they almost always came in those plastic boxes. But like a Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo N64 game without a, a box doesn't bother me as much as a, a random disc floating around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I totally agree. Uh, just a loose disc with no art or anything is it? It makes me crazy, and I and I don't have any in my collection. I think. For a little while, I had Lost Odyssey because I was playing it backwards compatible on the Xbox One, so I just needed to have one disc. And if I remember correctly, I think it was actually missing disc three. So I brought it (laughs) home from the store, and I was like, well, I'll just put in disc one and download it and play it because the Xbox, when you play backwards compatible, I know you know this, but for the listeners, um, backwards compatible uh, games just download uh, right to your system. So you don't have to, like, I don't know. You don't have to. Yeah, you you're not like you don't have to have the disc. Yeah, the disc. yeah, you don't you're, have to actually have the the besides the first disc. So, yeah, it's verifying that you own, that you have the disc and then downloading a runnable copy off the internet. Exactly. Thank you for saying what I was trying to say in a lot less words. It probably made a lot more sense. <clears throat> so, uh, with that being said, there's two things I want to talk about today. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is there was a New York Times article. Uh, and the title of the headline was children's screen time has soared in the pandemic, alarming parents and researchers. And so the reason I want to talk about it was you hear that and you go, God, that's really annoying and gibberish. Like, of course, we're spending more time like parents are in front of the TV more because none of us are going out and doing things or a lot of us aren't or, you know, <laughs> because of what's I, going on. Yeah, I saw that headline and was just like. Duh. Right, right. Um, also, um, I found the I found the first paragraph of the article to be a little melodramatic. Oh yes, very much so. And so I, I I'm I, ruining my son. Yeah, I have issues with this article, no doubt. But I also have issue with whenever an article like this comes out, the the games quote unquote journalists come out and they're just like they instantly mock it. Like they don't read it; they read the headline and they're like, "Oh look, they're trying to blame video games again." That's not really what they're doing. I mean, I think if anything, this article is a really good example of how terrible parents are. <laughs> so, like when they're when they're worried about how much screen time their kids are using, they just tell them to get off it. You're the adult. I don't know. I don't have kids, so maybe that doesn't work. But I would just tell my kid to get off it, or I would take it away. I, it just seems simple to me. Um, but maybe that's why I'm never gonna have kids because I don't. Because uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I just. It just seems so stupid to me when a parent feels like they're at the end of the rope and they don't know what to do. And I'm just like, uh, well, you're the adult, so I don't, I don't know. You just take care of it. Um, well, as as somebody who who possesses a child, I I can probably key into 
some reasons why why it might be hard to do that as someone (laughs) as someone who has brought a life into this dumpster fire that were are known as human existence yeah you know against her will you brought her into this world against her will it was not her choice to be created but but you did anyway john let's just put that out there (laughs) (laughs) both of the adults in the situation willing child didn't know what the hell was happening so really quickly and you don't have to answer if you don't want to are you is there a plan for like a number two is that, a, um, is that a thing? It depends on if I become less of a child. Okay. Well, so no. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, we're gonna talk. Well, we're gonna talk about that. Uh, well, no. I... <laughs> no. Go ahead. Yes. Um. Actually, randomly, the last in the last week, I've had two different dreams where I had children. Uh, like another child. I had one dream where. I had a random another daughter that was two and I forgot what her name was. And so I just kept calling her by like, I was like, I was like, Leela midnight, uh, uh, midnight. And and Nicole's like, that's the name of the dog. It's like, Oh, and then I woke up. Um, so, so I didn't know the name of this two year old child and I just kept calling it by our dog's names. Uh, so and then I had another dream where I ha- where Nicole and I had a like eleven year old boy, and the only reason why I know he's eleven is that uh, um we we got his fifth grade report card and he failed math, uh, which would be very on brand for my child. <laughs> well, it's quite quite a, you know we could spend a whole podcast talking about dreams, which I won't do. Yes. But I will tell you. Not the game, though, which is weird and boring. Right. Uh, well, it's as fun as the people who create stuff for it. Uh, but I'm weird and boring. I would say <laughs> well, the type of dreams I have always somehow have the store getting in the way of my life. So th- okay. this time I was doing some sort of basketball tournament. I don't know why. I think I was still in high school or something. But then I was I was getting ready to go, and then someone came in with a whole bunch of trade-ins to like the restaurant we were at. And I had to work on those trade-ins, and I ended up being late for the basketball tournament. So th- th- that's just a little insight into the type of dreams I have <laughs> as, <laughs> as an owner of a video game store a- all the time. You, you were on a three-on-three basketball team with Kobe and Shaq. Yes. Oh, I wish. No, just a bunch of the, the people that I hated in high school. So it actually came full circle. Um, but it, it's that, that and the other reoccurring dream I have is that I go to like a rubbish sale and, and they have a whole bunch of rare, expensive games. And I start picking through, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm, and I'm picking up, and I just have handfuls and handfuls. And then I never buy them. Like, the dream never <laughs> ends of me buying them and making a bunch of money or anything. The dream just ends with me, like, in a frantic pursuit looking around the house for more games. It's just <laughs> it's stupid. You, you look over onto another table, and there's a VHS copy of Epic Boobs. Yeah. You put everything down that was in your hands. You pick it up and you just say, I must have yeah. this. Yes. Um, <laughs> Throw your wallet at the person. So, <laughs> so. Should we tell the epic boob story, by the way? You know, go, <laughs> let's do it. I think I've referenced it several times. Yes, I think you should. <laughs> I think you should because I actually have a story I have to tell too. One of our listeners and a friend of mine, Kyle, he was in the store and I, I made a joke about, did I ever tell you? I'm like, did I ever tell the story in the podcast about Shano? and turd ball <laughs> and and he just like he looked at me all cockeyed and was like what i'm like all right i've never told the story i'll tell it this week um 
But, I don't remember Turd Ball. <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. This is this is a double dose of Shano stories because I know the story you're about to tell um, is what also happened in Shano. And yes, it's video game related. People. Is, so don't. Is Shano kind of. is is uh is that store still there in Shano? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That's the flagship. Um, that's actually where his warehouse is. Is uh in is in Shano. Weird. But anyway, let's um, tell the story because you got to tell that one. I got to tell mine, and then we got to get onto two stories: the New York Times article, and then I want to talk a little bit about uh, cyberpunk because Jason Schreier did an article about it that he interviewed a few employees, ex-employees, and then he released his story on Bloomberg, and then the devs actually responded to it. So I want to talk a little bit about that. We'll do the the New York Times article first, and then we'll talk about the cyberpunk thing. But first, John's going to tell you a story. Of us hanging out long ago, <laughs> and I know, and I know how long ago it was. It was about ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> because it was right after I'd opened the store, so it was probably like nine, nine years ago, nine and a half years ago. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, so Greg and I went on a uh, gaming scavenger hunt, and we we went to a couple different cities, I think. And uh, so we were in Shawano at a place called Mojo's, uh, which is kind of a weird store at least it's more i would say it's better now but back then it was just an odd mishmash of things sure they're and, more they're uh, more of a variety store so like they carry yeah. music movies whatever but the reason we had, we had gone there stuffies. the reason we had went there was because in the basement of the shano store they have like all of the stuff that gets returned defective is sitting there and he sells it dirt cheap. Like I think I saw the ad on Craigslist and it was like a quarter a piece. Like whatever you went in there for, it was like 50 cents or a quarter piece. So you'd go in there and they okay. had a GameCube deck and the deck was 50 cents. And that's, you know, and so like everything you went there looking for was that was defective was cheap. And, and that was the whole that, point of why we, I mean, we stopped there to look for games too on this trip, but that's also why we went there. Cause I think on Craigslist he advertised cause he has a whole basement just full of, like how many DVDs do you think were there? Because when the Hollywood videos were closing, he bought out a ton of Hollywood videos. And, and I don't I, even know. I mean, it was it was a basement. Like if you've seen the size of my store, it's probably twice as big as that, and it wasn't like a basement that's twice as big as my store. And it was just full of defective game stuff, but also backstock, overstock DVDs stuff like that. But anyway, sorry, I just wanted to chime in a bit. Carry on. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we're we're in the basement. We're looking through these uh, like tubs and tubs of like NES controllers and like Genesises and stuff. And the guy doesn't really test any of it, so it just gets tossed into those bins. And uh, so w- while we're looking through that stuff, uh, I find a, a VHS porn tape of a. <laughs> it's like this '80s chick on the cover. It's just called Epic Boobs. She's covering her. <laughs> she's covering her big boobs with her hands, and she's also covered in soap, so, like soap bubbles. And, stuff. and the word "epic" is kind of small, so when you look at the tape from afar, <laughs> it looks like it's just called "boobs" all in caps. <laughs> it's so. It's great. So yeah, I I showed it to Greg, and then and then I was like, I'm like, well, let's put it in their bathroom down here, just just to. <laughs> Something to look at while you're while you're going to the bathroom. Right. So that anybody to enjoy. Yeah, there was a bathroom down there in the basement, and the bathroom was kind of small and like creepy too, you know. And this isn't <laughs> a knock on Mojo's. Like, believe me, I'm I actually like that place to get games and stuff. 
and the owners are really nice. So it's cool. I'm just, and I'm not, so I'm not making fun of them, but it's like th that store, like it's an older building. It's an old building in downtown Shawano. So it's just, it is what it is, you know? So, so I, now if I remember correctly, John, weren't there a whole bunch of this particular uh, VHS tape? Like, wasn't there like I, a box of them and you just pulled one? I thought there was a whole box of them like sealed. I don't remember more than one. I like, like it just it was like a needle in the haystack because like you just sniffed like the, it out the basement wasn't filled with porn there was just one <laughs> random tape and it was just it was just bizarrely funny <laughs> we never did uh get together and watch that either which i'm probably very thankful for yeah i mean i i don't even think back then i would have had a vhs player to play it oh <laughs> uh, but it was just called boobs and we because we did yeah. a whole game run so we i think we went to shano i think we drove up to anago which is another yeah, we Mojo went, store. We went to Anago, and then we came down to Wausau, and I think we yeah. came back after that. And the, the Anago store had uh, Cold Mountain Steelbook for Wii with yes. a super creepy cover that I had never seen anywhere else before. Yeah, factory sealed. I think it was like 20 bucks or something. Yeah, you bought yeah, one and I bought one. Yeah, stupid cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's funny? That thing has not gone up that much in value. No? <laughs> for, for a rare... <laughs> Like it was only one retailer had that collector's edition. So why I don't how they got them I don't know why it's not gone up in value when all the other horror games on the planet have all gone up. But anyway, uh, I actually kind of want to look that up now just because uh, why not? What was it called? Cold Mountain. Uh, Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain. The the cover of it was hideous. It had this like weird screaming lady that looked like she had no no lips and like weird jagged teeth. Yeah, so the regular version just has like a guy. Oh, it's called Cursed Mountain, not Cold Mountain. Cursed, Cursed Mountain. Mountain. And and the regular version's like a six to ten dollar game, and it's got this old white haired guy just freezing to death on a mountain. But the collector's edition comes in a steel book, and the steel book, like you said, has essentially what's like a Buddhist mummy. And and a pre owned one goes for like thirty five bucks. So a new one's okay, probably so fifty to sixty. Slightly. So it's gone up a bit. Here a new okay. one went for forty five, so you know it's it's moving. We've made some money on our ten year investment, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So that but that's why if you ever hear us refer to like boobs, where we say it like in all caps or epic, epic boobs, boobs that, that's what we're talking about. Is it's a <laughs> it's a very classy film made in the eighties or nineties <laughs> on VHS, <laughs> and and if you try to Google search it, I don't think you're gonna find it. <laughs> you will find you something. might find other results. <laughs> <laughs> you um, will find millions of other results <laughs> but if you're looking for it please call the shano uh mojo game yeah they, they might still have it in stock <laughs> in the basement it might still be resting up on the bathroom john put it like back on the top of the toilet you know like yep. on the, uh, <laughs> he just set it up there man you know back then that would be great if somebody actually called and asked <laughs> <laughs> let's not encourage these folks they'll do it um okay so that's a great story, though. Uh, so my story that I have to tell this week is uh, about is also about Shano. So we got a double dose of Shano stories here. So one time, I, I this is when I was still working at GameStop. I had made up a new sport, and I made up this sport based on evidence that I had received while doing a trade-in from someone whose address was in Shawano, Wisconsin. So okay. in, someone traded in, an, I believe it was an original Xbox game. And it, when I looked at the case on the back, when I flipped it over, it looked like someone had held it sideways like a baseball bat and someone had lobbed a good 
10 inch turd in the air and someone <laughs> slapped it out of the air with the back of this case. <laughs> it left an imprint on the back that looked like a curved banana, but brown. <laughs> oh, God. It, was the, it was the nastiest thing I've ever oh. seen in my whole life. And I was looking at it like, this is disgusting. So as I often do, I took it to the next level and I said, well, this is clearly, this is clearly rare memorabilia from an all-star of the National Turdball League. And turdball <laughs> is, the na- is the national sport of Shano. And I said, and this guy must have been an all-star because you clearly hit a turdball home run with this Xbox game. And of course you use Xbox games as bats. In, in turd ball, I mean, you don't question it. It's just what it is. Uh, yeah, the so, rules are the rules. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just you, don't, you don't question life. I mean, it's just, it is how it works. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so turd ball is a sport played in Shano and you use an Xbox case as a bat. And all of this was based on someone trading me a game at GameStop when I worked there. <laughs> and it looked like someone had taken a case and swatted a big old turd with it. <laughs> and it was, I mean, John, I'm talking, it was probably three, four inches wide. And it started <laughs> in the upper left corner of the case and it just curved down to the lower right corner. You know, it just kind of just a big brown mess. <laughs> and it was Did dry. Did it taste like poop? Ah, I forgot to taste it, man. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I should have. Those are the details <laughs> that you need to... <laughs> This is the level of investigative journalism that is expected yeah. of us, and we let them down. Uh, so that's two <laughs> stories. You got the epic boob story, and you got uh, the turd ball, the Shano turd ball league story. I mean, that's man, that's two stories right there. That's a whole that's a whole podcast worth of good stories right there. Shano's a magical place. <laughs> it truly is. <laughs> um, okay, let's um, let's get into it. Um, so first, we're going to talk about this article. Uh, on the New York Times. So this was the headline, Children's Screen Time Has Soared in the Pandemic, Alarming Parents and Researchers. And then the byline is, There will be a period of epic withdrawal, warned one addiction specialist, once schools, activities, and social life return to normal. So, I mean, right there off the bat, it's it's very odd to me because they act like this wasn't the way we were already going. Now, if you take out the pandemic, there was already a shift where if you you know where a lot of younger kids were not doing a lot of off-screen time <laughs> you know like there, this was already happening this wasn't this isn't anything new uh and and it was kind of already going this direction so it's weird that this article comes out now trying to blame almost trying to blame it on the pandemic and and so this picture i'm describing it to you because obviously we're you guys can't see what i'm looking at but there's a there's like a dad in a red shirt who looks very grumpy on the left side on the right side is a very concerned looking blonde mother they're all white just assume everybody's white uh <laughs> they're, they're looking over, she's looking over all sad and in the middle is like a, an 11 year old kid playing xbox one with a headset on his mic's up though so he's not chatting with people he's just being courteous and having the audio go through his headset so his parents don't have to listen to the game audio what a good kid um oh actually here it says he's 14 years old never mind uh the 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 under the picture it the the caption says james richard 14 with his parents john and kathleen spent increasing hours on his xbox and on social media during the long months of lockdown and closed school so you mentioned that you read the first paragraph 
and it sounded very dramatic. And I'm going to read that paragraph yeah. now, and then I'm going to pass it back to you to get your impressions of what you felt after you read it and after you hear me read it again. So here's the first paragraph. Okay, this is what we're starting with, everybody. This is Here we go. Quote, the, well, it's not a quote, but here's the first paragraph. The day after New Year's, John Reshirt of Boulder, Colorado, had a heated argument with his 14-year-old son, James. Quote, I failed you as a father, end quote. He told the boy despairingly. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the first. That's the first paragraph. I don't, where do you Where do you go from there? <laughs> so now, if if this or if this article was about him walking in on his son, just furiously pleasuring himself to like My Little Pony, that that paragraph fits. Uh, like. 100% that would that would make sense for the rest of the article but he's talking about his kid spending too much time playing video games and being on social media yeah so and, and so as someone someone who is um like a hyper empath and can really understand people and where they're coming from when you hear someone say I failed you as a father that's him essentially trying to absolve himself of guilt and he's putting that onto his kid He's putting the responsibility of that onto his kid, you know, because he wants his kid to feel bad because he, essentially he's saying to his kid, you made me fail as a father, which, uh, yeah. you know, so that's ultimately like that. That's some that's some like low key gaslighting stuff. And uh, and so that's just really obnoxious when people talk like that, you know, because they're trying to garner sympathy from you while blaming you for the thing that they're apparently want your sympathy for. And it's um it's quite psychological it's, it's quite obnoxious too i would say that 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 phrase would also work if you knocked up like your ugly teacher or like you were currently in a prison visiting facility and your dad was on the other side of the the table as you are in handcuffs like then dad can say maybe i've failed you as a father yeah but but like, hey, you play too much Xbox. But even it might be a little bit pushing it. Yeah, maybe a little bit. And and but you only say that to somebody if you're trying to make them feel bad for you feeling bad. He wants his kid to feel bad because he doesn't know how to respond as a parent. You're the parent, okay? So like, you tell him how much screen time he gets. Like it's it is that simple. Um, yeah. And and did you ever watch that movie? Oh, what's it called? Oh, um, the Babadook. Did you ever watch that? I have not. Okay, so there's a popular meme that came from that show, and it shows, like, the mom, and there's a little kid in the backseat of the car who's just screaming, and then the mom in the picture, the next part of the picture, she turns around and says, why can't you be normal? And then the kid's like, ah, and so they, they memefied that, but it's from that movie. And basically okay. this kid's, like, slowly becoming, like, almost, like, possessed by this, you know, this creature, and that's why he's acting out. And so, like, I could see where eventually you, I'm sure some parents are like, I don't know what to do with this kid. Like, I've created this monster, you know? Like, <laughs> I, every, every, oh, you know, there's probably parents who listen to this, and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack because I'm not a parent. But I feel like if you have a 14-year-old kid who doesn't listen to you, it's something you did in the previous 13 years that made the kid like that when he's 14. Is that fair to say, John? Is that, is that mean, like, as someone who doesn't have a kid? Am I, am I wrong? Um... Your child... I would say that you're you're probably not going about things the right way <laughs> if if they're not listening to you. Okay. Um, Thank you. The, I mean, I have a four and a half going on five year old, and uh, she often 
will will give us grief about like like if it's time for bed or whatever like she fights it because she wants to stay up or she wants to do what she wants to do and you just gotta you gotta put your foot down and you gotta be like nope that's we said this is how much time you you have before bed and you have to listen to us so so yeah it's i i would say it's not always like that that you did something wrong that's causing your child to not listen to you. It's, it's a lot of your kids going to be stubborn because they're, they're figuring out like who they are. Sure. And like they're, they're learning to see what, what boundaries they can push and whatnot. So sure. So it's, it's not always a failure. Uh, like I wouldn't say that, that parents are a failure because of their 14 year old, not listening to them. Okay. Well, I'm going to disagree with you and I have no, I have no right to, but I'm going to, <laughs> <laughs> Um, however, so I'm going to go on and read a few more of these paragraphs, uh, and then we're going to make fun of this some more. But before I do that, part of the reason I caught the attention of this was because articles come out like this every now and then, and immediately the games journalists, you know, quote unquote journalists come out and they start ripping on it. Like, see another article trying to blame video games. And I, and then you see all this, you know, video games saved my life, video games, all this. And I'm not saying that video games don't do positive things. Uh, I love video games. It's my favorite hobby. It's all I really do. I do a podcast about, uh, you know, I play them, I have a YouTube channel and I own a video game store. So it's literally my entire life revolves around them. But, uh, to argue that like nothing ever, nothing bad has ever come from video games is also silly, you know, and to to like, look at a headline that says, Hey, maybe kids have too much screen time and playing too many video games. I think that's a fair thing to ask that question and to do research and to like do articles on that and to look into that. I think that's fair. We shouldn't be attacking the fact that someone's doing the article. We can look at the, the over, you know, um, what I want to say, the over dramatic paragraphs and we can make fun of that. But I think there is definitely like something to be said about this. There's something that screen time is going to go up anyway. It was accelerated by a pandemic and then you're going to have an epic, like when everyone has to kind of go back to the way it was pre pandemic, as far as screen time and how much you're interacting online, there's going to be some pushback on that because they're going to feel like this is the new normal and they're going to stick with it. And I do believe that. And, and that might not be a good thing. More social media, I don't think is a good thing for people, generally <laughs> speaking. Um, and I don't know, playing more games might even not be better. You know, everything when it comes to your hobbies, everything in moderation you know, I mean, I don't play games in all my free time. I like to play video games, but I watch a lot of TV and I hang out with my wife and we do cooking. Like, like we do a lot of things other than video games too. It's not the only thing I do. And yeah, I think if, like, like if, if I, if someone said, Hey, you should play more video games. I'd be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I play enough video games. <laughs> uh, so I want to go, like I said, I want to do a few more of these paragraphs. And like I said, we'll, we'll pick apart some of it and we'll agree with some of it and we'll, and then we'll quit when I get bored with it and we'll move on to the next story. But for the time being, here we go. The <laughs> next paragraph. During the long months of lockdowns and shuttered schools, Mr. Reichart, like many parents, overlooked the vastly increasing time that his son was spending on video games and social media. Now James, who used to focus his free time on mountain biking and playing basketball, devotes nearly all his leisure hours, about 40 a week, to Xbox and his phone. During their argument, he pleaded with his father not to restrict access, calling his phone his quote-unquote whole life. And that was the tipping point. His whole life, said Mr. Reichart, a technical administrator in the local sheriff's office. 
I'm not losing my son to this, <laughs> end quote. <laughs> so, again, th- Mr. Reichardt is a hell of a diva. <laughs> He's really hamming it up in this article. But I also look at this and I say, man, 40 hours a week on your Xbox and your phone, uh, that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a lot. I mean, what that that's eight hours a day. That's you know, well, I guess if you're doing seven day weeks, it's it's six hours a day. But six hours a day on Xbox. I mean, now what are they calling considering being on his phone? Is that just him texting people? Like, is that him being on his phone, or is it watching YouTube videos? Because what I, what I get irritated about with articles like this is a parent will look at it and say he spends forty hours a week on his Xbox, and then the parent comes home and watches four to five hours of TV a night. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's putting in 30, 40 hours of TV a week, but it's the Xbox that's the problem, right? Yeah, well, and like and you could you could say he's messing around on his phone for for that amount of time, but he might be reading articles, he might be watching videos, he might be he might be using social media. Like I don't think that he's I don't think that you can probably say that all of that time is spent on social media. Like me, uh, when I'm on my phone, I'm I'm usually reading articles about games or or politics or something that interests me and learning more about it. I'm not just like right. I'm not playing a game on my phone. I'm not I'm not dicking around on TikTok or or Snapchat or anything like that. So like to me, my phone is a research tool as well as like providing some entertainment. Yeah. The article goes on to say, nearly a year into the coronavirus pandemic, parents across the country and the world are watching their children slide down an increasingly slippery path into an all-consuming digital life. When the outbreak hit, many parents relaxed restrictions on screens as a stopgap way to keep frustrated, restless children entertained and engaged. But often, remaining limits have vaporized as computers, tablets, and phones become the centerpiece of school and social life and weeks of stay at home rules bled into nearly a year. Um, I guess the other part of this too is it's not like it's a zombie pandemic where you can't go outside or make noise. This isn't bird box or whatever where you can't look at them. I mean, <laughs> it's like you just, they can still go outside. They can still throw the football. They can, they can throw a football, I don't know, into a tree and then throw a baseball against the garage. I mean, it's not, it's not Christ, you know, it's not like it's, it's negative 500 degrees outside. And if, if you go outside for five seconds, your face cracks off. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I ugh, like, like he can't play basketball anymore. He can still go to the park and play basketball. I don't, why would you, why? I mean, if you're adhering to like the more strict rules of of like social distancing and stuff, then you probably can't play basketball with friends. With like, other yeah, people, you go, correct. You could go shoot shoot a basketball, but if you're trying to avoid other people, like going to the park and doing that probably isn't the best thing. Because like I I drive like in the summertime, uh, when you could play basketball because it wasn't cold out um i would drive by the almost every day because there's a park right by my work and there would be huge groups of kids playing basketball every day so if you're trying to avoid groups of people not the greatest place because all the kids are out of school so they're going to parks 
So if you're trying to avoid people, it isn't it isn't the greatest place to go. Um, the I find like the the talk of like like oh are our kids gonna transition into like like the digital way of life being like totally like addic- an addiction and hard to break from yes and no like i i definitely feel like i had that when i was a kid um but because i didn't get an opportunity to play a lot of video games i when i did i like latched onto it like grim death <laughs> yeah but but i could go play with my friends if i wanted to right now kids can't so once once the vaccine is like in more people and and like COVID starts to calm down and and we get we don't have to worry about it all the time. I think kids are going to be clamoring to get the hell out of the house and see their friends and go go do like things like um like those trampoline parks and stuff like that. Yeah, like, I agree with that. Like they're not going to want like like if they're like, hey, do you want to sit in the house and do the same damn thing you've done for the last year, or do you want to go to your friends and and go to the trampoline park? Uh, they're going to go to the freaking trampoline park. Yeah, I, I no, I agree with you. I think so, there's going to be kind of a, a a backlash that way, where of co- they've all been cooped up. Of course, they want to go out and do something different. Yeah, the you know the thing I'm worried about though is that right now none of the vaccines are, um, they're not certified to be used in people under 18 right or under 16 and they probably won't so, be until like november or something i think i read because they they got to make sure it's safe first for everyone else yeah so like like kids won't have the vaccine so that's that's going to be at least another like eight nine months of not potentially not having social interaction with other kids in a large way in person so yeah. you're going to have to do stuff like like playing games online or or using FaceTime or or Zoom or whatever. So it's like you got to just deal with what's going on right now. Like like whatever whatever can get you and your family through this time, just do it. Yeah. Um honestly, the thing I hate about the whole screen time thing at least with my daughter Lyra is the videos that she gravitates toward <laughs> are just the stupidest, most mindless shit in the world. Like, just weirdos playing with toys and making up l- weird little stories with terrible, like, backgrounds and everything. And it's just, it's just stupid. And she wants, she would watch that all freaking day if she could. Uh, and she also needs to watch it on my big 75-inch TV. And it's like, sweet <laughs> God, I don't want to watch this video of this toddler making up stories with Barbies. Um, but, like, if if she would play a video game, like, I, I would be like, yeah, you absolutely, you can play that video game all you want. Because at least when you're playing a game, you are problem-solving. You are learning potentially something. You're You're... You're using your your motor functions and stuff. Shut up, Siri. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. So l- my my daughter has occasionally. I've been playing a lot of Immor- Immortals: Phoenix Rising, uh, which I'm still loving the hell out of, by the way. And uh, occasionally, Lyra, like more so than any other game, uh, Lyra will be like, "Hey, can I play your game?" 
And so I'll give her the controller and she's starting to finally seem like she's getting the concepts of more complex games. Um, so like she, uh, when I cut a tree in half in that game, sometimes there's sap that you can collect. Mm -hmm. And so I would, uh, I would cut a tree in half and I'd run over to the tree and, um, she's not great with letters yet. Like she knows some letters, she knows letters in her name. Um, but not everything. And the Xbox controller is actually kind of helping her learn at least the main four letters on the Xbox controller. Cause, uh, when I cut a tree in half and it said, press Y to collect on the screen, Lyra's like, dad, press Y. Uh, cause <laughs> nice. the Y button is on the screen. And she, and I told her like, that's the Y button. And so she's learning things from it. And also like, she's she's kind of like figuring out some of the smaller puzzles in the game which is it's cool to see like it's it's fun to see your kid like exhibit these new techniques and and skills that they've developed and kind of see how their brain works and so like sure. i think games are great for that and i'm looking forward to her getting more into it and frankly like i i was so tempted I was very tempted this week to just buy a second copy of Immortals so that way she could play it on the other TV while I was playing it. And so that way she wouldn't have to be like, hey, Dad, can I can I play <laughs> sure, your game? I sure. could just be like, here, yeah, play it over there. Well, you get stuck, let me know. No, that's awesome. Uh, and no, yeah. I, I agree too. Like that, it, I, like I was saying earlier, I don't think you can say everything video games is always great. But I'm also not in the camp, obviously, everything video games is always bad. And I think there's a lot of positive, like, stuff like that. And you're interacting with her as she does that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's you spending time with her. Like, I feel like a lot of these parents, they're fine using it as a, as a babysitter until then they get concerned. You know, like, they let, they let the babysitter, all oh, the kids are quiet. I can do my thing because they'll leave me alone. And then all of a sudden, one day when they need the kid to not be playing it for whatever reason, do the dishes, clean their room, whatever. And they're like, well, I don't know how to turn the babysitter off. <laughs> you know? And I think like they, they let it get out of control. I really believe like this is all under parents control. And I know some parents too, that they come into the store and, you know, and you hear them talk about their kid and like how they're misbehaving and stuff. And I, I, I have, I don't have a lot of sympathy for that because I'm like, well, you kind of, you know, because for years they, they come into the store and you see the way they interact with that child and they throw a tantrum and they just stand there like ignoring them. You know, like they don't, they, I don't know. Again, I'm not a parent. I think I, I'd probably be a pretty good one if I chose to be one. I just choose not to be one. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It, I, I just, I, I have a hard time sympathizing with parents who have like kids who have really bad problems because I feel like it's the parent's job to make that not a problem you know, whatever they have to figure out to make it work. But again, I also don't have kids. And so I, I can sympathize with, you know, the nature versus nurture thing. Like maybe, maybe some kids were just like born to be monsters, <laughs> you know, and maybe it doesn't matter who the parents are. That kid was going to be a monster. Who knows? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, let's see this, this, this paragraph here, the article goes on to say the concern is not just over the habits of teens and tweens legions of children under 10 are giving countless hours to games like Fortnite and apps like TikTok and Snapchat. 
an app called Roblox, particularly popular among <laughs> children ages 9 to 12 in the United States, averaged 31 million users a day during the first nine months of 2020, an increase of 82% over the year before. So the end of that that's the end of that paragraph. Like, Isn't Roblox I like how they Yeah, I like how they lump Roblox in with Snapchat and like TikTok as if Roblox isn't a game. <laughs> well, and and well Roblox isn't that kind of like isn't Roblox where you make your own games? And obviously you can play a lot of other people's creations, but isn't that the big thing about Roblox is it's all user created content? Yeah. Um, so it's possible that they're actually using them like how we would play with Legos. They would make a game in Roblox. I mean, <laughs> that actually sounds like a really good use of their time. Yeah, I think most people on Roblox are probably just playing other people's creations. But yes, you can the, create the majority, your own stuff. I'm sure. Actually, yeah. the the guy that created the swinging physics in Spider-Man 2 now full-time as a profession just makes small little mini games in Roblox oh, as a way nice. to make money. Well, good for him. <laughs> it made me sad, actually, because um, <laughs> I love that game. <laughs> the, the, the article goes on to say overall children's screen time had doubled by May as compared with the same period in the year prior. According to Custodio, a company that tracks usage on tens of thousands of devices used by children. Well, that's cool. I guess there's companies that just track data usage. I thought, yeah, I thought um, they weren't supposed to do that. I thought there were rules on, um, on tracking what children hey, do. I guess whatever. Um, ages 4 to 15 worldwide, the data showed that usage increased as time passed. In the United States, for instance, children spent an average 97 minutes a day on YouTube in March and April, up from 57 minutes in February, nearly double the use a year prior, with similar trends found in Britain and Spain. The company calls the month-to-month increase the COVID effect. Yeah, is that a cause and effect issue, though? Because video game prices have also gone up a whole bunch. So is that the... I mean, I, ca- I actually call it the COVID bump because prices have gone up when people are buying stuff. But is that... Like, th- that doesn't mean that the... You know what I mean? Like, that's that's not necessarily causation. It's, you know... Um, anywho, uh, children turn to screens because they say they have no alternative activities or entertainment. This is where they hang out with friends and go to school, all while the technology platforms profit by seducing loyalty through tactics like rewards of virtual money or limited edition perks for keeping up with daily streaks of use. So they're talking about loot boxes and, and uh, you know, <laughs> like login they're, they're rewards. Talking to, yeah, they're talking about free-to-play game login yeah. rewards. Gotchas so. and, and whatnot. Um, uh, <laughs> quote, so this is uh, Dr. Dimitri Christakis says, quote, this has been a gift to them. We've given them a captive audience, our children. That sounds a little, uh, that sounds a little dramatic too. <laughs> We've given our children to the game companies, John. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So that's, I don't know. Like, so here, here's uh, one of the parents going on. Parents express a kind of hopelessness with their options. Keeping to pre-pandemic rules seems not just impractical. It can feel downright mean to keep children from a major source of socializing. Quote, so I take it away and they do what? A puzzle? Learn to sew? Knit? I don't know what the expectations are, end quote, said Paraskevi Brasuli, a corporate writer who is raising four children ages 8, 6, 3, and 1, with her husband in a two-bedroom Manhattan apartment. Device time Jesus. has replaced sports on weekday afternoons and soared 70% on weekends, she said. Who talks in percentages? Like, if someone said, hey, Greg, how many more games are you playing in the pandemic? I'm like, well, my game time's up about 35%. I'm all yours. This <laughs> 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 <is> stupid shit. <laughs> so, um, anywho, uh, 
I, I can see I can see that family having their screen time be up though because New York is one of the more locked down areas. Very true. So. Very very good point. And and yes, and it's a lot of people crammed in, so it's it is really hard like there to go to a park. Probably, you know, it's probably hard to go anywhere there with the way things are. Um, now this next paragraph is kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Now here it goes the the continuation of the article before the pandemic. Dr. Briasuli's eight-year-old son, Jesse, sometimes used his father's old iPad Pro. During the pandemic, he got an iPad Mini, and so did his six-year-old sister. Well, who bought him the iPad Mini? Who bought him the iPad Mini? Also, I would keep using the Pro. It's (laughs) much better than the Mini. (laughs) (laughs) But, like... uh, You know, like, oh, the the kid uh, stumbled out of bed one day, fell into the gutter, and found an iPad Mini. (laughs) And so did his six-year-old sister. No, the parents bought it for him. So don't don't. So they, I mean, you're, you're, they also talk about that they bought him switches as well because everybody was buying switches. Yeah, we also got a Nintendo Switch because everybody got a Switch. Some days she said she watches her son sit with three devices, alternating play among them. It reminds me, John. <laughs> <laughs> this is these parents suck. Okay, this this reminds me of that South Park ADD episode. You know where it's like hey, we have a cure for ADD, and it's like they're all sitting in there, and then the scientist walks up, and it's like shut up and study, and then the kid starts crying, and they like hits him. He's like, don't cry, study, and then they put their head down. <laughs> it's like just so she's so concerned that her child was sitting with three devices. Why don't you take two of them away? Why don't you take three of them away? And then she says, what are they supposed to do? A puzzle? Sure, that's a great idea. Learn to sew? Why not? Seems like a useful skill. Knitting? Sure. Why not? And now, I don't understand why she picked those three things. I mean, how about drawing? Why don't you get your kid a uh, pad and have them learn, try to learn how to draw? Why don't you get them a, I don't know, a little like electric drum set that they can plug into their iPad mini and, and bang away on the drums? Oh. They're not a play. You could buy them a a cardboard house that they could uh, draw on. <laughs> you, you could buy them a little uh, grocery store checkout aisle so that they can get accustomed to the manual labor they'll be doing the rest of their lives. Let's just. Get... Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you were looking at your camera, but I I, I literally have a giant white cardboard house. Oh, let me let me flip Lyra over. Let me see it here. Hold on. Let me let me flip over and see it here. <laughs> That's a sweet dude. That house is sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's wrong with that? But so it's, it's, that's what's so funny though. Is she, so she's exacerbated about the options that she has, but she's not trying anything else. I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't, I can't feel bad for this parent because there are many other things they could do. I, I'm, I, it just seems weird to me that they're complaining about it. And, and you know, so whatever. So these articles are whatever. I'm not going to get too hung up on these, but you know, that's just kind of, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, I, I, yes, they could do any other thing. <laughs> they could do a million other things. But they don't, the kids don't want to initially. Isn't it a parent's job to like open up their world to exciting new things? Nope. Yes. They sh- nope, nope. Just shut them up and put them in front of the iPad, dude. Just shut them up. I need, I, I want to take a bubble bath, okay? I need, I need an hour of peace and quiet for my annoying kids. Just shut up and play on the iPad. And she comes out of the bath and she's like, oh, I want to spend some time with my kids. Oh my God, he's on the iPad again. John, he's on the iPad again. Well, no, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> All you do is give him the iPad. <laughs> oh now, shit, man. Uh, anyway. I, 
So we do let our daughter use stuff like iPads and phones and stuff. And you know, I'm not um, criticizing. But, I'm not criticizing parents that let their kids use it. I'm not criticizing no, that I'm, at all, including you. I'm just saying that like this lady's complaining I wasn't about that it. As an offense. Okay, good. Because no, I, 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Advice to people that are so. So if you let your kids watch YouTube, um, and if they're younger, like my daughter is, uh, don't let them watch regular YouTube. Download YouTube Kids. It's a completely separate app. And the nice thing about YouTube Kids is that they have a timer on the app. So you can set it so you can be like, all right, you can watch 20 minutes of YouTube start. And then it will let them watch it until the timer is up. And it'll give them like a a two-minute warning that says it's about to end. And then it shuts off. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so like that's built in. Um, most smart TVs have built in uh, sleep timers that you can activate. So like my Samsung TV that I got, you can just tell the remote set sleep timer twenty minutes. Um, uh, and the other reason I bring up YouTube Kids is though, is that regular YouTube when a child is watching it can dredge up some really freaking crazy weird videos. Yes, like creepy creepy crap and also like like weird foreign cartoons that have like absolutely no educational value whatsoever or like <laughs> like even make a lick of sense like i remember one time it was like um it was like a russian video and all the family members look like mickey and minnie but they they look like seven foot tall Mickey and Minnie like the their limbs were all like super stretched out and weird and they were like robbing a bank mm. and like they were they were trying to break into a safe and like Mickey put a put a a hunk of like C four on the safe to blow the safe and I'm watching it and I'm just like what the fuck is this <laughs> why why is this showing up on my kids YouTube and so. After I downloaded YouTube Kids onto our devices and stopped letting Lyra just watch regular YouTube, a lot of that garbage videos get filtered out. You'll still get stuff like like Ryan's toy reviews and and like that that weird Barbie stuff that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But you get less like weird predatory like foreign stuff. Um, I read an article one time about how. Um, some of those those toy review channels like started out as like softcore like like semi nudity channels and then eventually transitioned into like people playing with toys but then if you dug back into their video history like if you went far enough you'd still see like weird scantily clad russian woman like slutting it up in front of the camera and it's like why why is this still in your video feed Yikes. and why are you why are you making videos for children now so like there's some weird nefarious crap uh in in kids youtube that would be it's filtered out if you're using actual youtube kids so good. parents well, that's good advice. take that advice that's good advice well i'm bored with this article already so you know what it is just you gotta deal with it parents sorry you know it's once in a century situation yeah around. sorry sorry that it fell to you <laughs> and that yeah COVID that were, ain't gonna be forever yeah we'll get through it it's it's just, it sucks but you know also it's it's like maybe have conversations with your kid listen to them 
I say this all the time, talk to them and list, but listen to them and understand that it's not always about you being right. Like sometimes you just got to hear what they're trying to say and have a conversation with them. Treat them like a person. They're a person, you know, you don't have to treat them like they're a kid or like they're not, you know, that they're not an adult, you know, and and I know that you just got to talk to them on their level. And I don't say that as someone who's a parent, obviously, but I say to someone who's, who talks to kids on their level all day long. And sometimes kids just want people to be excited about what they're excited about. And sometimes they just want yep. someone to listen to them. And, and it's one of the most frustrating things in my store when I see a parent come in with a young kid and the young kid's just asking all these questions and he's just so excited about the games and, and the dad is just like like annoyed by it. And I've had, I've had parents, I've had fathers apologize to me for their kid asking questions and being all excited like, oh, sorry, he's just really – I'm like, what are you sorry for? He's inquisitive. He's, he's curious promote that he's smart yeah. like he wants to talk to you like be excited about something that he's excited about and i i see that so often it's so sad to me it's like the thing i hate the most in my store i've had uh when i was working at gamestop i had people like like apologize for like i've had special needs people like where i was having a conversation yeah. with them and then they're they're the person that's kind of with them would be like, Oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm like, dude, no, I'm totally into this conversation. Can you not tell? Like, yeah. Like, well, and to like, be fair, I'm you sure don't they... need to apologize. I am connecting with them yeah. <laughs> and we are enjoying each other's company. Well, it's and, fine. <laughs> and, and I'm sure there's places they go where they, you know, the people act annoyed or they're, they're probably conscious about it. Like, and, and to be aware of that is, is kind of good. Cause you know, when you're there sometimes with a special needs person and, you know, they are asking all the questions or sometimes they they'll they'll grab something that they're not supposed to, you know, like you do have to be conscious of that stuff. But especially a conversation like I know I can I can only speak for us, but I know we would both be like, yeah, talk to us like we and, and we talk to them on their on their level. And I mean that like we talk to them like they're normal because yeah. they are normal and they just are asking questions and you don't treat them any differently. And it's I, I think they just really appreciate that. Most people really appreciate that. And so, you know, parents just like just listen to them. Maybe talk, talk to your kids about it have an understanding. Um, ultimately you're the parent, you make the decision, but you can rule with an iron fist or you can understand why they feel the way they feel. And, and kids will compromise with you. They know the rules. <laughs> like they're going to try to squeak every rule out. They can because they're kids and they're going to try, but you know, you, you handle it, you make it work. Um, so anyway, that was the New York times article. It was, it was a fun read, I guess. I don't know. It was fun to make fun of these parents who just, uh, seem not very good at their job. <laughs> And melodramatic. And very over. I failed you, son. I'm going to say that to you every now and then, John. I'm just going to message you. I've let you down, my son. That just reminds me of, like, sensationalist articles from the 90s about how, like, video game violence is going to cause our children to be murderers and rapists and stuff. So it, it just... It seemed like very sensationalist. Yeah, to me. It it very much was, and it, it's. I think that's just all kind of media now. It's almost like they're trying to, they have to ham it up to make people read it, right? Because we all have such short attention spans right now <laughs> that you get if if it's not super, if it doesn't juicy up right away, then then they lose the audience, you know. But um, so then the next thing we want to talk about, and then we're gonna wrap it up. But the next thing we're gonna talk about is there's a little bit of a follow up to the cyberpunk. I guess drama story, whatever you want to say. Kerfuffle. Kerfuffle. Jenny loves that word. So she'll, I'll tell her you said that because she'll love you for using <laughs> that word. Um, she loves you anyway. Um, but uh, we, um, so we had talked about 
Cyberpunk a few weeks ago. We we gave our insights how we like the game, but we all said the same things. Like they should have released PC version first. The the console version's ass. Their apology they made a few weeks later was also kind of ass. And they didn't really handle the PR very well. Now, they get a little bit of leeway in my opinion because it's a Polish company. So like when when they're trying to appease like the American audience in particular, like there is some stuff lost in translation not literally but there's just some stuff lost in in the nuance of of how we speak differently but uh the reason i brought it up is because uh jason beating the dead horse schreier had another article come out <laughs> and it was what happened inside of cyberpunk 2077's disastrous rollout and so it's it's a bloomberg article where he goes into it he interviews more than 20 current and former cd project staff and they paint a complex picture. Unchecked ambition, technical woes, unrealistic deadlines, and above all, one belief. We weighed, we made The Witcher 3, so it'll work out. <laughs> that was the um, one of the quotes. So I'm going to go through his tweets because he kind of cuts out little bits. And I want to talk about those. The article's a good read. I like looking in, you know, behind the curtain. I say that a lot here. I love looking on the other side of game development. Games do not materialize out of thin air they're not magical things that are created through wishes you know they are created through very hard work and a lot of money and a lot of talented people and to see kind of how that process works is very interesting and can also be very frustrating because it's not an easy thing to do making video games shocker everybody is very very freaking difficult and especially a game on the scale and scope like this. This 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 is the scale and scope of this game is on par with Rockstar Elder Scrolls games from Bethesda and this studio has half to a quarter of the employees of those places. Yes. And and so it is ambitious. Now you can argue should they have taken on this project if they couldn't handle it? That's fair because like as a studio you have to know your limits. That's part of being a good manager. But I can't fault them for trying, you know, I guess. So anyway, my, get off my high horse here real quick. And I'm going to go into some of the points. So this is what Jason Schreier, some of his tidbits. Devs at CD Projekt said, despite promises that crunch would not be mandatory, they felt pressured to work overtime on and off for years. I can't share all the stories, but here's one on the record that may help explain why it's been infuriating to see people downplay CD Projekt Red's crunch. Now, I don't think anyone's downplaying it. I think people are just trying to get him to understand that everyone works some sort of overtime. Like, when, what is crunch? Is crunch more than four hours of overtime a week? Is crunch more than eight hours of overtime? Is crunch anything over eight hours a day? Like, what, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, they just call crunch anything that's above, like, a 40-hour work week. Well, you and I worked at GameStop when, before they went to hourly managers, Every mm -hmm. week I worked was 44 hours a week, and it was usually 44 to 50. So, yes. and, and I'm not saying like GameStop's a great company that everybody loves because clearly they don't, but it would be nice. Like, and, and I'm not saying, and again, I have, to, I have to like reiterate this all the time. I'm not saying it's okay if they abuse their workers because other workers get abused other jobs. I'm not saying that. It's just we don't know what this supposed level of abuse is. And they act like they're chaining them up to a desk in like 200 degree weather and making them type at a keyboard until they pass out and they're not allowed to have water except once an hour when the water man comes around. It's not like that. Like they get paid and they get paid overtime. Now, again, 
It doesn't make it okay if they're being abused, but I'm just trying to like, I never understand what they're saying when he talks about how it's infuriating to see, see people downplay the crunch, but he just, he calls everything crunch. He calls everything crunch. Um, so this is what the, the employee in the article said. Employees were working long hours, even though Iwinski, that's the head of the studio, told staff that overtime wouldn't be mandatory on cyberpunk. More than a dozen workers said they felt pressured to put in extra hours by their managers or coworkers anyway. Quote, there were times when I would crunch up to 13 hours a day. Now, again, what does he mean when he says crunch 13 hours a day? Is he working eight hours and then crunching 13? So is he working uh, 21 hours in a day? Or is he working 13 hours a day? And so his crunch period's five hours. Like, this is the, the stuff that makes me crazy when I'm trying to weed through the nonsense that is this talk about crunch. Anyway, Which I worked 11 and a half hours today. I work 12 hours every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just, I'm crunching four hours every day. Um, not every, every day. I get days off now. Uh, I didn't used to. <laughs> I do now. Um, and he would say, I would often do five days a week working like that. So again, if he's doing five days of work and he's working 21 hour days, that's nuts. And that's not healthy. That's not productive. I would say that's a bad idea. But if he's working 13 hours a day for five days a week, yeah, that's a lot of hours. Like that, that's a lot of hours. That's what, 65 hours a week instead of the normal 40. It's probably a pretty nice paycheck, but that's a lot of hours. And I also right. would argue yeah, that yeah. at that point, you're also not, you're not getting the productivity out either. So just working that much just to work isn't necessarily a good idea either. Um, sorry, you were going to say? No, I was going to say, yeah, the, like your, your paycheck is probably reflecting the extra hours that you're working. That's like, that's why I don't mind working as much at the post office this last year as I, as I have, because my paychecks have been really freaking good. Yeah. Like I, I've made more in the last year at the post office than I did in two years at GameStop. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I worked my ass off, but they paid me accordingly. And, and cyber, the cyberpunk developers most likely getting paid accordingly now there are some companies that don't um pay extra for crunch and just expect you to work it but cyberpunk is being developed by cd project red in poland i believe they have laws in place that they need to pay their employees for the extra overtime that they're work yeah and and that cyberpunk or that cd project red has also said that they are doing that so like yeah you work more but you're being compensated for your work. So yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, but you chose to be in the profession. Nobody forced you to be a video game developer. Nobody forced you to work for a major company. And, and when the game is, is coming close to a deadline and starting to come together, it is important to have all hands on deck to get shit done. Yeah. Just like in at the post office, like having making sure that everybody is working during peak time, like November, December, early January, when we have all of our packages and stuff that need to get sent out. Like we do vacation blackout. You cannot take off between like Thanksgiving and New Year's because we're going to be busy as hell. Yep. So it's just expected. And and crunching at the end of a important development cycle, while shitty, is also something that yeah. if you work in the industry, 
you should come to expect. Any anyone? And, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. Anyone in a high level, even a mid level developer, has been working years in the industry knows this is exactly what it is. They know what they're signing up for when they go onto a project like this. They know that when they get in the last year of development and they have a deadline that they have to hit, it's going to get nasty. Like everybody knows that. And so again, the story goes on to say this former audio programmer, he added that he quit the company after getting married. I have some friends who lost their families because of these sort of shenanigans, he goes on to say. So he chose that. He chose, hey, look, I love making games. I love making music for games, but I'm not going to sacrifice my marriage over it. It's more important to me. And he made that choice and he left. You know, I, I and don't get me wrong. It's okay that people voice their frustration like an employee voices their frustration to the company. We did it all the time at GameStop, you know, because you want it to be better for you there. And so I'm okay with that. I have no problem with them doing it. It's this weird sort of people from the outside looking in, trying to tell you how it works, trying to tell you what is actually happening when they don't understand a lick of what it takes to create these things. And, and, and I think that's Trier's biggest blind side is that he has no idea the like like he does he does know actually i shouldn't even say it. he does know the effort that it takes to go into these but i don't and and he's got this weird sort of chip on his shoulder now where he's going to be the guy that's going to call out everybody and he's going to be the guy who 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 busts all the big companies for doing what everyone's been doing forever and in fact i think just yesterday he came out with an article talking about how much rockstar has changed and he basically is patting himself on the back the whole article because it's about the article that he did that got them to change basically yeah he read he didn't write that article yesterday he retweeted it oh, okay. it was from like back in 2019 um but he was just bringing it up as like an example of oh, like okay. hey i wrote it i wrote an article about crunch at rockstar and then the effect of the article a year later was that culture has improved within the studio yeah but but i guarantee he could still find one to ten people that are gonna bitch about it imagine this right let's go back to when we were managers at gamestop okay out of our district which at the time was probably like 16 stores do you think you could find five managers that would say everything sucked and that it was the worst company in the planet (laughs) you could probably find 10 (laughs) you know were those managers like like were those the representative of all of us not usually no you know, but it's just funny that you could always find someone who's not happy at a company. Well, and usually those those employees that said everything sucked and and life sucks were not the greatest employees. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And and not saying that people who complain aren't good employees either, but it's just like I could find I could find one employee at every company on the planet that is frustrated with the way things work and that doesn't like the company and will talk trash about them on or off the record to try to like get them in trouble. Every single company's got some sort of scorned employee who just wants to stir up stuff. Um, so try around to tweet a few more things. One, he talked about Anthem's developers. Now this is Bioware. Anthem's developers talked about Bioware magic, an unwavering belief that with enough hard work and crunch, their game would come together. CD Projekt was similar. When asked about unrealistic deadlines, directors would say they'd be fine. They made The Witcher 3 after all. Now... I, I, I liken this to like a, a sports team. Of course, when you put the team together, you think everything's going to work out in the end if you just work hard enough. I mean, but what's the other option? You stop working on it. I mean, that, that's your only option is to keep working on it. <laughs> I mean, so it's kind of an asinine statement to say that any the, studio doesn't believe that it that it's going to work out in the end or they wouldn't be making that, the game. <laughs> calling that philosophy Bioware magic is kind of shitty, though, because it's like, 
hey, uh, we're gonna we're gonna just like cross our fingers and uh, work you to death. And but it's called Bioware Magic. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and but but that's sort of the same thing too. It's like what do they always say in sports? You know, they always say you know everything's you know every every you can ignore little things while you're winning. You know, when when you're winning and you're successful, all those little things don't matter. And the people who are annoyed by things, they let it go because they're winning and they're releasing quality products, they're getting praised, they're getting raises. When things tighten up and maybe a game crashes and bombs, people don't get their bonuses or the raises that year. Well, magically, all the things that used to annoy you that you could let slide last year, you aren't letting slide this year because you have a different kind of perspective on your career at that point. And, and, and that's just, that's just life. It's not even, and that's not strict to the game industry. It's just, that's how it is everywhere, you know? Um, yeah. So in, in that article, I might be stepping on your toes a little bit, but they talk about how CD project red, like held up red dead redemption and grand theft auto five as their like high watermark that they wanted to hit. And that, that they, they wanted to get cyberpunk to be up to that standard. Um, but, then those companies that do that also have multiple different studios across the world yeah. that all work together and they have thousands of employees and not hundreds of employees. And that was one of the things that I said back um, when we first were starting to talk about this was that they should have hired teams uh, like outside teams that would have ported the game yeah. to the original Xbox and the PlayStation 4, and then their main team could have worked on the PC port, and, or the PC version, and the Xbox Series X and the Xbox, or, and the PlayStation 5 versions of the game. That way they're not, they're not spending all of their time trying to get nine different versions of the game working. They have eight studios that are trying each to get their own version of the game up to quality standards. Yeah, nope, exactly. And actually, I wasn't going to touch on that. That's, that was a great point. Um, yeah, well, it, but now, like, okay, so they sold, they they already made their development money back, and they probably made even more. Now, obviously, the, the backlash has hurt them a little bit, but they still put a lot of money in the bank. They can still hire those studios. Right. Like, Get some outside help. Bring in some other developers that can come in and and save this debacle. Uh, fuck! What's Hello Games doing? Yeah. <laughs> he turned around. <laughs> he turned around. No Man's Sky. Bring him on for yeah. like a year. Um. Yeah. It's so. An, an, one of the things he talks about is a few of things he cut from the article. One of the pieces that was cut, and I actually found out i mean he said he i read later in the comments that he cut it because bloomberg limits their pieces to so many words but but this is one things that was cut veteran developers from other companies were shocked at cdpr cdpr's free-for-all production one example if someone needed a shader they'd make it with no pipeline in place to determine whether someone had already made one with the same function okay like that's if that's true that's terrible management it's terrible management. I mean, like th- th- anyone who's worked any sort of software development or anything, if you have a bunch of people just freewheeling and redoing work, of course shit's going to take longer. Of course it's going to be yeah. wrong. There's going to be things that don't work with other things because there's no cohesion in the group. So, yeah, I mean, I look at that as that's probably true. That probably happened. And that's probably a big reason why a lot of this stuff didn't work in this game was because there wasn't like 
one vision and there wasn't one kind of flow. They were, they were freewheeling and it didn't, you know, that, that in, in a game that size with that many things, I just don't, I don't think that's very sustainable. So that was a huge miss from the management at CD Projekt Red. The, the article said that they were making their game engine at the same time as they were developing the game. So they were building the tools while they were also trying to make the world, yeah. which is not a great idea. Like there are plenty of game engines out there that work great that they could have used rather than building something from the ground up. And I, I think that like the companies that do that, like are kind of foolish at this point because like there are tools out there that, that can cut your development time considerably take advantage of them yeah well and so there were there were three other things that we're going to cover that were in the article and these are the things that, that they actually responded to this is what cd project read the like the damn it i had who it was but i, I basically it's the the lead developer the the head of the studio and he responded to these things so he said respectfully to jason Schreier, he's like i read your article I don't agree with some things. Here's my, here's what I said. And he came out with a few things, counterpointing one of, some of the things in Jason Schreier's article. And of course, Schreier's response was, well, I reached out for an interview, but you guys declined. It's like, well, of course they declined an interview from you because you like, you were looking to tear them apart. Like no one, no one's PR department's going to allow you to do that interview. That's why he has to get all the people that are anonymous and, and yeah, occasionally he- an ex-employee that isn't anonymous. He writes hit pieces, whereas Jeff Keighley writes like fluff enthusiast pieces. pieces. Yeah, fluff pieces. Yeah, stroke them off a little bit. Well, feel like, good. <laughs> he like <laughs> like he writes the behind the scenes more along the lines of something that would go on like a DVD special feature, whereas as Jason Schreier is writing the right the this is how the movie fell the fuck apart article right. So one of the things in the article said, fans and journalists were wowed by Cyberpunk 2077's ambition and scale. What they didn't know was that the demo was almost entirely fake. So they were arguing that a demo that came out in 2018 where they showed off a few things was entirely fake. That's what the article says. And so the um, CD Projekt Red responds, it's hard for a trade show game demo not to be a test or vision, test of vision or vertical slice two years before a game ships. But that doesn't mean that it's fake. He says, compare the game with the demo. Look at the dum-dum scene or the car chase or many other things. What the people reading your article may not know is that games are not made in a linear fashion and start looking like the final product only a few months before launch. If you look at that demo now, it's different, yes, but that's what work-in-progress watermark is for. Our final game looks and plays way better than what that demo ever was. As for missing features, that's part of the creation process. Features come and go as as we see if they work or not also car ambushes exist in the final game almost verbatim to what we showed in the demo and if we get a bit more granular about our release the vision we presented in this demo evolved into something that got multiple nines and tens out of ten on pc from many renowned gaming outlets in the world as for the next gen consoles yes that is another case but we've owned up to that and we are working super hard to eliminate bugs and we are proud of cyberpunk as a game and artistic vision this is what i'd call or this is all Sorry, this all is not what I'd call disastrous. So I want to go in there a little bit. I, I think tossing the shade about getting nines and tens that was that was that's that was dumb. 
Like, don't don't throw in the <laughs> face that like all this stuff is wrong because you got nines and tens from an industry that needs to give you good scores to keep getting free stuff. Okay, so let's just let's just that's not a that doesn't mean your game is perfect and without issues. But yeah. you know, so he he answers a few of these things saying that 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 demo was fake or that the game was like that they were being lied to, and I, he, I and this is where I want to say is I see a lot of people comparing this situation to No Man's Sky, and No Man that that comparison drives me nuts because they straight up showed things that were not in the game, and then they asked him like they asked Sean Murray one time in an interview like hey are there sandworms in the game and he looks all coy and he goes. Well, I guess you have to play it and find out. There were no sandworms in the game. So why didn't he just say, you know, we have a lot of things we're trying to implement. I'm not sure what's going to make the final cut, but we have lots of amazing things we want to put into the game. So it, it, I can't answer that question right now. But he didn't do that because he was now, and that's a perfect example of a small indie studio getting so much influx of cash. We, what we call feature creep, where you're building a game and then you want to keep adding stuff, but the more you add, the more the scope of the project grows and then eventually gets out of control. And so, like, I hate that comparison because that was a straight-up bamboozle. And they tried to hide what it was lacking, and then they spent four years making the game what it was supposed to be. You can argue Cyberpunk's the game it's supposed to be right now. It's just buggy as hell. And our, I don't have bugs when I play the game. Like I'm not, I know they exist, but I play the game just fine. And and I've been yeah, having quite same. not any more than any Bethesda game before it. And, and so it, you oh know, yeah, but, I don't know. Oh, I hate like everybody's favorite Bethesda game is freaking um, Fallout New Vegas. And it's such a that mess. Game, yeah, that game is a buggy pile of shit, but it's held up like the gold standard of all the Fallout games, and I can't get like more than two hours into that game without it hard locking on me <laughs> and me floating in the air a foot off the ground and not able to move or or warp away because there's an en- enemy nearby underneath a cliff, like well, the, that I can't kill. The like, good, there's, <laughs> yeah. Ugh, like and and like I've given that game multiple chances. So like I bought that game on Xbox 360 on launch. It was a buggy piece of shit, and I just was like, you know what? I'll play it again in a couple like a year or two. And so the ultimate edition came out, and I bought the game again. It comes with the game plus all the DLC. Now you'd think a year and a half later that game would be fixed. No, same goddamn problems. Yeah. So. <laughs> Do I think that Cyberpunk is going to be as glitchy now or as glitchy in a year and a half as it is right now? No. I think they will fix it. I think it will be six months from now. I think that game's going to run fine. It still may not look the greatest on PS4 and, and the original Xbox, but I think it will probably run well. And I think it will be playable and enjoyable. Whereas I yeah. never enjoyed Fallout New Vegas. And you know, and, I, oh sorry, go ahead. I, I was gonna say we we just you never got a fucking article about that goddamn game, <laughs> like like that game is still held in super high regards by by gamers everywhere. Like yeah, the, it's just a double standard because Cyberpunk is the like it's the game that's that's most fun to shit on right now. It, it is. So I, I watched the um I watched the Tiger Woods documentary on HBO. Which is just okay. just fantastic, by the way. Just fantastic. HBO Sports just killed it. 
But they make a really good point in that. And not that he didn't do what he was accused of doing. Like, he screwed up. He did it, you know. But, like, they talk about how there's people out there who just want to see you fail. You know, when you're yeah. when you're popular and, and people are talking about you and won't shut up, people want to see you fail. And so, like, for instance, I tagged Jason Schreier in a tweet recently because there were some fans calling out Supergiant games for the poor translations uh, for Hades in certain languages. And when they dug into it, they found that uh, Supergiant used what we call community translators. So basically, okay. like, essentially free labor. They, they had, like, the community do a translation for free, like, to put the game into, I think, Spanish was the language that this person was complaining about. And apparently it was very bad. And so, you know, a friend of mine who's a translator... Um, he translates Japanese to English. He he basically brought that up and said, you know, you can call them community, you can call them whatever he said, but they're basically freelance and you're not paying them. You know, so he's like, you should hire experts and you should hire people who have, you know, studied and had degrees and who have editors. Like, yes, it's more expensive, but that's the right way to do it to make sure it's done properly. And I tagged Jason Trident and I said, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And just absolutely nothing. Because if you remember, Hades is a game that he was just just gushing over since it came out and Supergiant was the studio that came out and said, Hey, we force our employees to take days off. And so he quoted Supergiant as this great company that does the best thing they can do for their company. And I'm not saying Supergiant isn't a great company. I love the fact that they force their employees to take days off and that they have an anti-crunch culture. Good for them. I think that's fantastic. But if they have something that they did, that's not kosher, then why isn't Schreier calling them out on that? because he liked that game he likes that studio it's it's very that just goes to your point about the he's picking and choosing the battles and he likes taking on oh the the big dog rock star and the big dog you know naughty dog and no pun intended and the big dog cd project red and that's fine dude makes bank doing it it's fine we're all trying to make our hustle i don't care it's just like i would just want consistency especially by someone who i hold him to a pretty high standard now that he works at bloomberg especially but he was one of the few people i would actually call a journalist and not put it in quotes like i do with most gaming journalists i would just say okay fine you are a journalist you have sources but like he still picks and chooses his battles and and maybe that's dependent on who messages him though too like maybe he gets an email from someone who works at rockstar and that's it you know maybe he never got an email from someone at (laughs) Supergiant or never got an email from someone or whatever you know which is fine um but i want to move on uh so we can get through this uh there was another comment that in the article that said most of the staff knew and openly said the game wouldn't be ready for release in 2020 that was in the article So the head of CD Projekt replies, you've talked with 20 people, some being ex-employees, only one of whom is not anonymous. I wouldn't call that most of the over 500 people that work, of the 500 people staff openly said what you claim. And so, yeah, he's arguing that of the 20 people Schreier talked to that said most of the 20 people said the game wouldn't be released. That's not the 500 people that work there. And so I think that's I think that's fair criticism. Like when you say that most yeah. people say something, you're you should say you should say most of my sources are saying, not most of the staff. Because where are you getting that information from? And and, and I, I hope he's verifying it. I hope he's using multiple non connected sources to actually get the proper information out. Um and then oh. lastly I, just I was want, gonna say oh, real sorry, quick go about the demo. Oh yeah, so, go ahead. So they they said that the demo was 100% fake, and uh, Tim Geddes from Kind of Funny was actually talking about that. 
because he said he he was in an E3 uh, briefing where they played that demo for 40 minutes in front of him, and he said that uh, that he does not feel like that demo was faked, and that 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 demo actually crashed on them while they were doing the demo. Oh, so he's sure. like, that's even further confirmation that like <laughs> that it's it is a real thing that right. they were running. Like they had to reboot it, and like I you you've probably played demos of things at at uh, GameStop Manager Conference. Like I played a a demo of um, the Shadow of Mordor, and the demos when you play them at at trade shows are often guided experiences. Like if it's a game that's not finished, like they they basically force you to go in a very specific direction and way because off to the side, shit's probably broken. Like right. <laughs> so they they <laughs> yeah. tell you where to go and what to do to a degree. Like a lot of times you're wearing a headset and the person that's standing next to you is also wearing a headset and they're talking you through like, all right, now draw your bow and shoot that guy over there. And then and then go go sneak up on this guy, and they want to show you the the styles of gameplay that the game has to offer, but they also don't want you to just run off to the left and fuck off and then like fall through the world. Right? Uh, yeah. Gu- very guided demos are legit. Yeah, guided yeah, demos hate, are a real thing, and I, I hate them. Guided demos. Yeah, <laughs> and I hate them. <laughs> it's, it's the most shitty way to play a game. Like it's it's not a good good experience. Yeah. Um. Like I would much rather just get a trailer, but like that that type of demo they make especially for things like E three to show people to make previews and stuff. Like they they want you to write a preview article so that way they can draw hype for the game, so that way they can sell pre orders and sell copies of the game. Like that's part of the hype cycle of making a game. So to say that that demo is fake because they had to make it especially like and there may not be features in it that ended up in the real game or that the graphics in that small section that they created might be better than what they could achieve in the entire game it makes sense because that demo might be of a very small area so they might be able to they might be able to have significantly higher fidelity graphics in that small area than if they were to blow it out and let you go open world and go wherever the yeah. fuck you want. Well, and you so, know, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was saying, you know, that, that's marketing, you know? Like, have you ever yeah. have you ever ordered a cheeseburger from, from McDonald's? Does it look like the picture? No. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying, like, it's okay to be lied to, but, like, yes, they spent a bunch of time probably taking that vertical slice taking that demo and polishing the crap out of it to make it look as good as they could, of course. And look, John and I are mm-hmm. both on the record saying to say they should have released the PC version and pushed the console version back or had like what John yep. was saying, have another studio optimize that version. I'm totally on board with that. The, the, that version of the game should not exist in its current state. I do believe that the, the PS4 base model, Xbox base model shouldn't even exist. Um, even though, and this is something really crazy, I'm not kidding. I've talked to at least five or six people. I know it's anecdotal for my store. I've talked to five or six people that played the game on a base PS4 and thought it was fine. 
they're like, yeah, it was cool. Like, yeah, it was some bugs and stuff, but it was, I, I had fun with it. Like they, <laughs> like there's people who don't care. <laughs> like, we, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and okay. So there's one last point I want to get about this and then we got to, we got to roll out of here. Um, but this was the last thing that the article said. A few non-Polish staffers shared stories. This is the weird one. Shared stories about coworkers using Polish in front of them, which violated company rules. It made them feel ostracized, they said. Were their coworkers talking shit about them? So that was in the article. Like, what a weird thing that somebody would complain about to someone doing an article about the development of Cyberpunk 2077. Because what does that really have to do with anything? Um, which like, you know, the article said it violates rules to not speak English there. So this is the response from CD project red. Everyone here speaks English during meetings. Every company wide email and announcement is in English. All that is mandatory. Rule of thumb is to switch to English when there's a person not speaking a given language in casual conversation. It is however, pretty normal for German speaking German, Poles speaking Polish, Spaniard speaking Spanish, etc. There are 44 nationalities at the studio. You get the point when there's no one else around. We are working in a multicultural environment. It's the question. If it's hard to move to another country, sometimes culture and work and live there, then the answer is yes, but that's universal to every company all over the world. And we're doing what we can to ease that transition. So I don't even know why that made it in the story. Like they cut out the thing about veteran developers saying that there was a free for all development, but they left in this stupid crap about some of the non-Polish staffers, hearing hearing co-workers polish. speaking polish <laughs> so then they got all offended and then he right but he put that in there like wh- whose fault is that except the employee that may have been bending or breaking the rule at that moment like they act like city project red has a policy where if you're polish you have to you speak polish and talk trash behind people's backs like that's not how it works it's just such a weird well, thing that he left that in there i don't i don't understand why that made the cut and the thing about the free-for-all development, which actually explains why the game is kind of a pile. <laughs> you know, like, why that didn't get into the article. Yeah, well, if you moved to Poland to work for a Polish video game studio and expect to never hear Polish, then you're an idiot. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> well, jeez, John, just... How do you really feel? I mean, like... you Like, if I go up to Quebec... And, like, I'm going to hear uh, French. It's going to happen. I Should I make a big fucking deal about it? No. Just deal with it. No, but like, I guess if, if you got the ear of somebody, if you're bending someone's ear, why not just air all your grievances? You know? Like, yeah. Yes. How, how, how was the coffee? Was it always cold? Was it was it crappy store-bought coffee? No? Okay. Well, let's put it on there. Put it in the article. And, and like, if you're, <laughs> if you're a native English speaker but you know some Spanish, like, if somebody were to tell you, like, hey, we only speak Spanish at this job, but then, like, one of your coworkers speaks English, are are you going to, like, struggle to find the words that you may not necessarily be able to convey correctly in, in your non-native language? Or are you going to dip into your native language and talk to that person and like get your point across and move on? Right. Like, which to, to to expect somebody to one hundred percent speak something that is not necessarily their native language and get pissy about it? Like, to me, is kind of stupid. Like, yeah. Like, it would be rude if if you held a meeting one hundred percent Polish 
and and there were lo- lots of people in the meeting that were like, I don't I don't know what the fuck you're saying, but that's not the case. Like it sounds like it's just smaller like smaller side conversations that that people might have. Like like fuck that person might be like, hey, how are the kids? And yeah, like, yeah. Well, what 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 I. I mean, it, it almost seems like the side of the article that I could have seen actually being more appropriate would have been they have a rule in place that says you have to speak English. And so if you prefer to speak your native language, you can't speak it there. That actually almost seems more the story here <laughs> than the yeah. fact that people were mad that they that someone was speaking not English in front of them. It's very strange. I, why that made the article uh, is mind boggling to me. But uh, yeah, anyway, no so idea. I know everyone's sick of the CD Projekt Red stuff. Don't worry. This whole year, we're going to have more and more and more of it because it's <laughs> going to keep coming up. In fact, there was already a second class action lawsuit filed against them in the last few days. That's very similar to the first one. Um, so we don't need to go over it. But, you know, it's going to it's going to be a bumpy ride <laughs> for the rest of the year. Yep. Cyberpunk. We're land. renaming this podcast Punk Cast. That's right. <laughs> um cyberpunk talk radio um <laughs> but okay so we're moving on we have so that's it for stories today john we have our games of the week picked out we have our pickup piles of the week hit me with what you got what is your game of the week what are we talking about today all right my game of the week is metroid 2 return of samus Ooh, that's a great game uh this is the first game i ever bought with my own money i bought it from kmart back in the day and like the cover is so freaking good and i love it i i actually have a box copy for gba in pretty damn good condition um i think you mean it's for, not the original for game boy or game boy game boy it's it's not my original that i bought back in 1991 um but this like i beat the hell out of this game it's one of the first games i ever beat and I it's it started my love of Metroid because uh, like Metroid one was OK, but just deviously difficult and didn't have a lot of like extra weapons and stuff. Whereas Metroid two introduced a ton of stuff that they carried on and refined in Super Metroid and is just it's one of my favorite series of all time. Nice. Have you played that AM2R? Have you uh, heard of that? I actually. I installed AM2R on my Xbox Series X. Um, nice. Because uh, the there's a there's a, a hack that you can basically download onto your Xbox that allows you to get RetroArch onto the system and do emulators. And the guys that did that hack also allow you to install um, that that metroid remake okay because that's like and, an exe i'm pretty sure because that's not actually a game boy rom they actually just rebuilt the whole game yeah it, it's weird because like they have you download a, like three or four different programs to get retro arch onto your system and so like you in order to get roms onto your system you have to like put a file on your computer and you have to like you have to fdp it to your xbox and it it's kind of an involved process i haven't actually like done that stuff like i don't have any roms on my console yet um but to get the a 2mr or whatever the hell it's called onto your system you literally just click on it and then it opens up the thing in your your xbox store okay. and then you can install it now you have to be 
you have to be whitelisted by the developer. So like I had to I had to join a Discord and then I he he whitelisted my email address of my Xbox profile, which then allowed me to download the stuff from his store page. But but yeah, it's it's just on my Xbox and I can play it. It's buggy as hell on the Xbox. I think they have to patch it, but uh, it's pretty damn cool that it's just sitting on my Xbox Series X right now. <laughs> nice. No, that's awesome. Yeah, and for anyone who's listening who doesn't know that AM2R stands for Another Metroid 2 Remake, and it was, I think it started off as a fan game or as a as a Game Boy like ROM initially, and then they ended up just building rebuilding the whole game from scratch. And like, yeah, it came out. It was really awesome. They did a great job, and then Nintendo gave them a cease and desist, pulled it down. But it's all over the internet, so you'll be just fine. Uh, if you yeah, want to find it somewhere, but it's not like a ROM. It's like it's actually it's an EXE you have to download. So you have to play it on PC for the for the most part. They thankfully finished the game before like making a big deal of it. So like while Nintendo did a cease and desist, the game is fully out there and fully playable. Um, and then like six months after they cease and desisted them, they Mercury Steam put out their remake of the game on the 3DS. Um, which yeah. I wish, yeah. I wish that game would have just been on switch and, and that game, not good. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, Metroid Samus returns is, is not good on the 3ds. They did like that 2.5 D was actually made by, um, the people that did, um, the Batman one it, and, uh, Mercury steam, wasn't it? Didn't they do the two? Yeah. Mercury did steam did the, uh, they did the, uh, the Castlevania games. Yeah, and then they did a Mirror of Fate, which was that that two point five Castlevania, and then they did. Didn't they do the Batman one as well? The Batman nope. Blackgate? No, was that somebody else? Okay, I think that was Blue Point. Oh wow, interesting. Um, but anywho, yeah, great. Metroid Two is excellent, and that was back in the day when you'd buy the first game on NES, and the second game you have to play on Game Boy, and then the third game you have to buy on Super Nintendo. So you have to buy three different systems to play all the Metroid games <laughs> in the nineties. It was great, great time. Um, but that's cool, man. A great game. Uh, what is your game of the week? So my game of the week is one I actually talked a little bit about last week, but I want to go more in depth a little bit this week. It is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Uh, so it's based off of the graphic novel series or the comic book Scott Pilgrim, uh, which was turned into a movie, which a lot of people liked. I did not like it. Um, <laughs> I did not like the movie very much. I thought it was kind of odd, but the, the, uh, graphic novel is great and uh, it's it's really fun read and the video game is modeled after those classic beat-em-ups so like river city ransom double dragon um and it's just got and it was originally it came out on ps3 and 360 and pc actually it might have been just ps3 and 360 and then it, it, they just yeah, recently PS3 released the the remaster of it and the remaster it's just beautiful and they had like some of the best looking sprites you've ever seen so and it had just great music it had just that super like supercharged 16 bit to 32 bit, like pixels and music and just everything about it was just super great. And it's based off a really cool property that's fun and unique and it just works, man. And it was a two player beat em up and they even did like a DLC after the fact. And it was, it was pretty awesome. And then it notoriously famously got taken down. So you couldn't buy it anymore when like the licenses expired. So it was one of those games that a lot of people wanted to play and couldn't because they couldn't buy it anymore. And then it was really good news that it was re-released. And then, of course, Limited Run announced that they're doing a physical copy of it, which is awesome. I, of course, I'm going to buy. I'm just going to yep. buy the regular game. I don't care about all the collector's edition stuff. But, um, man, yeah, it, uh, it's a really fun game. If you're looking for a good two-player beat-em-up, it's really good. 
So so check it out. Scott Pilgrim vs. the it, World. So that game is now Limited Run's biggest sell or biggest seller ever. Yeah. Um by a bajillion. They said, they said I think that they have twenty five thousand pre orders for I think possibly the Switch version. Yeah. Um, which normally they make like 10,000 copies of something max, um, usually closer to like 5,000. Um, and some of their lowest print runs were like 1500 copies. So, so 25,000 copies for them is massive. Um, they're also going to be putting out a physical copy of that game on the Xbox, which that will be one of their first games that they themselves publish on the Xbox. Um, it's pretty sweet that Ubisoft is working with them on it because they're the original publisher. Um, so the fact that they teamed up with Limited Run is awesome because Limited Run, Josh, and Doug have been like championing that and trying to bring that back basically for five years. Yeah, um, and, and and everyone who likes Limited Run has been begging them to do it for five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's so, like people never shut like, up about it. <laughs> like, good for them. Like, they, those guys definitely like they built something pretty damn cool and they're getting some really good deals out of it so it's 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 cool to see them find success um that game also i think tribute games made that one which they went on to make uh flit hook and mercenary kings and uh i believe they also did that panzer paladins game like they just do really cool like 16-bit games that generally are throwbacks to stuff yeah really cool like um, retro inspired stuff yeah yeah so they're they make a lot of awesome games and and that was that was one of their few games that you just could not play anymore for the longest time and it's one of the most popular so it, it really sucked that they yanked it off the store and then and it was it was quite sudden too like like it sometimes you'll get a warning where it says like hey this game is getting delisted in six months and that game really didn't get that. It was kind of just like, oh, you can't buy that anymore. Yeah, it was. Like, it oh, was great. Yeah, it was very quick. Um, and yeah. and it's probably going to be one of those situations. I wouldn't be surprised if they do the limited run version first and then re then then mass release the game to retail, kind of like Streets of Rage Four did. Like, yeah. I, I have a feeling Ubisoft might just do that, which I'm okay with too. Do different cover art. You know, collectors are stupid; they'll buy it. I'll buy another copy. <laughs> like, it is what it is. Um, yep. But yeah, yeah, good game. What uh so what is in your pickup pile of the week this week? All right. Uh so I picked up um Cyberpunk for that's, uh, that's so funny you cuz did you get that on sale then too, I take it? What's that? You got that on sale then, I take it? Yeah, I, uh, it was 30 at Best Buy with nice. the steelbook. Nice. Um so I'm I'm going to run that um PS4 without patches. Uh, on a base console and see how terrible it looks. I want to stream that so bad. <laughs> um, I also I got a couple couple things on clearance uh, at Target. Uh, so I got uh, Predator Hunting Grounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, Skater XL, which is a game that does not seem to have grab tricks in any way, which is weird. Jordan uh, loves that game. He did a ton of videos on that on pc back yeah, in the day i mean it's okay like it's better than i expected because like the the control scheme sounds more daunting than it is but like if if you can grab in that game i can't figure it out um i got 
My Heroes One's My Hero One's Justice Two, which is a very stupid name for a My Hero Academia game. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and they've made two of them, and they have not figured out that that's a dumb name yet. <laughs> um, I got the Shadow of the Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, uh, which is includes all of the DLC on the disc. What um, on the disc? Uh, I got Mortal Kombat XL, which includes all the DLC on the disc. What? On the disc? <laughs> um, I got uh, Duck Dynasty, which includes all of the Robertsons on oh, a disc. Oh, God. <laughs> Why? Why would you buy that? Tell it me was, it was $4. Oh, okay. I was say, tell me it was $2. Okay. <laughs> Achievements, also. <laughs> um, and then uh, Slime Rancher Deluxe Edition. Nice. Uh, for Xbox. And lastly, uh, picked up Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker because it was on sale. Nice. I used the uh, Walmart hack that Wario tweeted out about that. You get the full uh, game and all the, the DSC for DLC. four bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, I like uh, I like having stuff though, so I'm content with the game. Well, I already had right, physical. So what's seven- what $700 NES game did you get today? I didn't have week? any $700 NES games, sadly. Um, <laughs> but I finally found my copy of Immortals, Phoenix Rising. So I found nice. that. Remember we were talking that I knew I had bought it and it was somewhere. Well, <laughs> I, well I found it. <laughs> um, I got a copy of Puyo Puyo Tetris 2 for PS5. Um, yeah. What's funny is, so my, my friend, uh, the translator I mentioned earlier, he is working at Sega. Let's just call him Josh. Let, just, let's just pick a name out of thin air. Yeah. Say Josh. <laughs> my friend Josh works at uh, Sega, and he's been working there like a month, and um, about a month now, maybe a little bit more. And they sent him okay. like the Christmas gift basket that all the employees get. And he got like a bunch of Sega games and he got like a bunch of cool stuff. And he'd only been working there like a week or two. So I was like, nice. cool, man. <laughs> but uh, he had no want or use for Puyo Puyo Tetris 2. So he sold it to me, which was awesome. Is and he then, working remotely for Sega or did he move? Uh, he's working remotely right now. But uh, okay. I think he's like, it's fine now, I think, because of pandemic. But I think eventually they wanted to move out there. Um, and then lastly, I picked up a Sega Saturn game, Mr. Bones, which is a really <laughs> awesome, funny, like 2d platformer. And you play as a skeleton who rocks out with an electric guitar. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> so that game's a- got a really cool, uh, Japanese cover. I was, I was reading a, I think a cracked article that was talking about like bizarre ass video games. And Mr. Bones was one of the uh, the games on the list. I'm looking up that import cover. Oh, that's great! Just a big old skeleton head on this one, <laughs> and then this one looks like a it looks like a cover of like a Grateful Dead album. It says Mr. Bones like in this fancy font, and he's just him just rocking with his guitar. That's great. <laughs> yep, I've got that game as well. It's a two disc game randomly on the fucking set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know those two D platformers really take up a lot of, a lot of memory. But um, I think it's the music that's in the game that that pushes it to two discs. That's probably accurate, actually. Yeah. Um, but hey, that is it, everyone. That is the show, Graham. Today, look at us. We almost got to two hours again, John. We haven't done one of those in a while. <laughs> um, and for good reason, because people don't like listening to us for two hours at a time. But uh, <laughs> we of course appreciate everyone for hanging out and listening. 
uh, with us today. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Game Trade Greg. John is at Dryer Combo, just like, you know, your dryer in your house or your apartment. Uh, he's at Dryer <laughs> Combo. You can follow us on Twitter. Send us messages if you ever want. We'll happily ask questions on the air um, because that's a fun thing to do. Even stupid questions, just ask. We joked last week. We won't make fun of you to your face. We'll just make fun of the question. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but also, don't forget, you can follow me on twitch at twitch.tv slash the drop rate you can subscribe on youtube at youtube.com slash drop rate and yeah just come hang out stop at the store someday and say hi say you heard the be on the podcast and i'll give you a deal on something <laughs> i gave <laughs> i gave john a deal on a game a few weeks ago i do it for anybody um that's not true but thank you everybody as always for listening and watching we appreciate it say goodbye john later we'll talk to you next week have a good one Bye bye <laughs>